If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Well, it's good to see everybody tonight. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Revelation chapter 21. So if you go to the back of your Bible and just turn left, it's right there. Revelation 21 will be there in just a second. Um, If you were watching online, I posted the topic for today and also the slides on our church website. So if you want to, if you have your smartphone, you want to go download the, uh, the outline, it's on there. Uh, I tried to do this early enough. I didn't get a chance to do uh, this particular outline until just a few hours ago, but uh, we've had a busy day. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, So today, we're going to start. I want you to, please trust me, I want everybody to close their eyes. Okay, close them, close them tight. Really, 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 really tight. I'm going to ask you, don't look around you, keep your eyes closed. By a show of hands, how many of you in here have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Okay. All right, hands down. Now, keep your eyes closed. How many of you have never told a lie in your entire life? Please raise your hand. Okay. All right, hands down. Great. Okay, you can open your eyes. One of those questions was answered with 100%. Was it that, that we've lied or that you've never lied, okay? So this is a sin that it hits a little close to home, right? Uh, What does the Bible say about lying? Is it ever okay to tell a lie? Are there any reasons biblically why God would give us a good reason to tell a lie? When we were young, I remember hearing kids say, well, it's just a little white lie, right? What's that mean? I guess it just means that it's so minimal you can barely see it. But a lie is a lie. And the Bible has a lot to say about lying. This afternoon, I guess it was about noonish. Is that about right, Misty? Right about noon. Uh, I had texted Misty a couple questions and she said on the phone. And then she texted me back and said something like trouble or something. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I texted her back, and finally she said um, she was on the phone. And I got the gist of the text message was that it was the uh, Baldwin County Police Department. Actually, or the sheriff. What is it? The county? Baldwin County Sheriff's Office. So the conversation goes on for a little bit. I said, tell you what, why don't you call me, or let me call you, put it on a three-way call, and I'll mute it so I can listen. Do you all ever do that? You can do that on your phone. You do a three-way call, so... 
So I said, I'm going to call in. You just let me mute. And I listened. So I listened to this guy. And um, what had happened was, uh, as he tells the story, August, um, no, September? Was it August? August 13th, there was a package that apparently came to the house, a certified letter for jury duty. Uh, someone signed Misty's name, and because of that, uh, agreed to show up for jury duty, which was on, was this week, right, or earlier this week, like on Monday. Well, since she didn't have the letter, doesn't know who signed for her, uh, they were going to, they issued a warrant for her arrest. So uh, the officer explains, uh, I need you to do this, I need you to get here as soon as possible, we're going to do a handwriting sample, because she said it wasn't her signature, and we have the form, it's definitely not her signature. I said, uh, we need you to get to the um, sheriff's office immediately, which is in Baymanette, by the way. So I told her, I said, I'm coming home, I drove home, I picked her up, she was a mess, uh, a wreck. Um, I, if you do not have stock in Kleenex, I encourage you to, we, we're, we're, we're definitely bulking up on Kleenexes. So uh, she's very upset, obviously visibly shaken. Uh, I have to convince her that we need to go immediately because uh, the guy says, I need to stay on the phone while you drive to ensure that she wouldn't flee. Uh, so we get in the car. I have a brother who has worked, he was, went through the academy in 2004, so he's worked as a reserve police officer for several years. So I called my brother on my phone. And I said, here's the gist of it. And I tell him the story. And I told Misty, I said, well, you got this guy on hold. Go ahead and call an attorney or text an attorney. So we did that. So I got the attorney uh, lined up, a friend. And so we head up to the, to the sheriff's office. And my brother says, this is a scam. This is totally a scam. This is not true. And we said, how, we, well, how do you know that? How do you know that? And he said, well, first of all, the guy tells, and he, I listened to him on the phone, and he was very loud and obnoxious. And he's like, look, if you don't show up, and I want you to keep me on the phone so I can know that you're going to be here. And I got my supervisor breathing down my neck, Lieutenant Dan or something, I don't know. But uh, so, so Officer Danny Williams chews on us until we hit en route. Well, my brother's like, just hang up the phone. Just hang up the phone, they'll call back. So we hung up, and sure enough, they blitz called over and over and over, trying to get her back on the phone. In the meantime, my brother does a little research. Uh, the attorney that Misty had contacted did a little research, and it was believed to be a scam. Uh, it was not true. The judge was not a real judge in Baldwin County. Uh, the county involved, where she was supposed to do um, jury duty, was in South Florida. So we were putting the pieces together, but we went to the sheriff's department anyway. Uh, we show up, guy was super nice, um, I can't remember the deputy's name, but he walked us through it, he explained this is what's been happening uh, in Baldwin County, and there is a scam going around where they call you and they tell you you've missed your appointment for jury duty, and that you can be arrested for not, for failure to appear, it's a, it's a contempt charge. So it was a class C felony, and so here we are, you know, she's a nervous wreck, um, but sure enough, it was a scam. So we were able to kind of put everything aside. Well, the guy still calls in the parking lot, you know, and, and Misty's like, hey, look, we're, we're at the sheriff's department, and he hangs up real quick. Gave him all the information, uh, but after that, it, it infuriates me. It may be partially because I had a steroid shot yesterday for a sinus infection, and I am just full of energy. Um, she's got, just had surgery on two teeth, so she's been, you know, dealing with the pain from that, and so we were both hot. I mean, we were hot. It is easy to get angry with a liar. 
is easy. When someone lies to you, maybe they lie behind your back and you hear about it. It, it literally makes you furiously angry. By the way, Wednesday night we'll be talking about anger. <laughs> but what do we know about lying? We know that it hurts our feelings. It makes us mad. We absolutely cannot stand it when someone lies to us. And in fact, we probably know people in our life that they are compulsive liars. They cannot stop lying. Uh, they will tell one lie after another. It could be a narcissistic tendency, or it could just be that they do not know how, they don't have any integrity. They don't know how to tell the truth. There are several reasons why the Bible talks about lying from a negative standpoint. So I want to start by just kind of defining the term. So if you look up the term lying in the Bible, or in the, in the Webster's Dictionary, it'll say uh, the, the telling of lies, speaking false statements, untruthfulness. A false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive or an intentional untruth or falsehood. Something intended or serving to convey a false impression and to, inaccurate, to give inaccurate or false statements. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But basically, lying is a way of deception. It is allowing you to get away with hiding the truth. Now, if there's anything we know about the way God operates, he is a God of truth. He is a God who constantly speaks exactly what is right. He is the God of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The righteous judge. So if God is righteous, his words are righteous, his way is of righteousness, and we as Christians are supposed to walk in righteousness, lying is the antithesis of being a Christian. The, the essence of a child of God is to walk in righteousness. Would you agree with that? We're to be in the walking in the upright way. There are dozens of passages we could consider that tell us to be uh, men and women of God that are speaking truth, that are teaching truth. And if you've read Paul's letters, he hates false teaching. And there is nothing wrong with using that word hate because the Bible teaches us that God hates lying. In Proverbs 6 and verse 17, he says, Solomon says, that one of the things that God hates is a lying tongue. He hates it. And the reason why he hates it is found here in Revelation 21. Now, I want you to see the comparison between what is right and what is unrighteous. It says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he dwell, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he'll be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water, of life, freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That's one side of eternity. That's the side of eternity that is prepared for the righteous, 
for those who live in righteousness, walk in righteousness, and speak the ways of righteousness. Well, what about the unrighteous? Look here at verse, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolatries, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, that's the other side of eternity. That there has to be a right way and a wrong way, and those that are walking in the ways of righteousness are redeemed, they're spared, they're given eternal life, and those that walk in unrighteousness are thrown into the lake of fire. Now, it would be good sometime to go through each of these things. I would dare say that most of us, if we were to rank sin, which is an unfair thing to do because we're not supposed to be judges of other people, we can judge ourselves, we can judge fruit uh, by what fruits people are known, we can judge by that, but as for the eternal judgment of someone's soul, that's left up to God. He's the only righteous judge. None of us are righteous, no, not one. Some of the sins that are listed here, I would dare say we would put at the top of the list of the worst of humanity. People who sodomize children, homosexual behavior, addiction to pornography, murdering an innocent person. Those are, those are pretty bad, right? Those are, those are way up on our list. But John says that he gets a word from God and he sees those that are being cast into the lake of fire and he said, in the midst of them, of all these immoral, sexually immoral, terrible human beings are also liars. That, that scares us. It should scare us. You remember in the playground, we were kids. I see a liar, liar, pants on fire, you know. Revelation, Revelation 21.8. Okay, we know that lying is a sin. We know God condemns it, but yet it's something that we can all admit we have struggled with, maybe even struggle today. I, I didn't ask for a show of hands how many people have lied today or yesterday or this week. So this is a sin that if we are not currently grappling with it, we have in the past and we may in the future. The question is, why do we lie? Why is it that we feel so compelled to not share the truth? Well, again, it comes back to a deception uh, Sir Walter Scott said, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we do practice to deceive. When you decide that you're going to start with a lie, it starts this snowball effect, and it becomes a bigger lie, a bigger mess than you could ever imagine. Many of you remember the VeggieTales series. That's been a little while. I'm dating myself. There was one called the Rumor Weed, and my boys love that one, the Rumor Weed. And the rumor weed, it just takes one little rumor and then goes here and here, and next thing you know, it takes throughout the whole city. And the rumors are blatant lies. Some of them are just a twist of the truth, but as it gets to the end, some of them are just blatant and outright lies. As a child of God, if I'm going to represent Christ in this world, lying should not be a part of my daily living. I should find every way possible to tell the truth to be honest, to be people of integrity. This should separate us from the rest of the world. We should not try to deceive. Solomon tries to tell us here in, in, in Proverbs, not only just in, in Proverbs chapter 6, but he does it again in chapter 26 in verse 28. 
it's important for us not to be deceptive. We are to be representative of Christ. And there's a danger to lying as well. We know, of course, that um, God calls it hate. He hates dishonesty. Go through the Proverbs and see how many times it talks about honest scales. You know, it talks about making sure being people of integrity, walking in the upright way. Blessed are those who are righteous. Over and over, these verses remind us that God's will is for us to be honest. So the danger is that we slip down this slope. We know that bearing false witness and lying is in the Ten Commandments. We know that. God says, do not lie. Do not bear false witness. Uh, in whether it be in, with a false witness, you're talking about a court case, making a vow, making a promise, something like that. But the danger is that when you begin to lie, you have to decide how long you're going to keep that lie up. And it becomes this weight on your shoulders. When I was young, I remember there were a few times that I did things and I did not want to tell my mom, didn't want to tell my dad. But when I finally told him, even though I was going to get in trouble anyway, there's this huge weight that's lifted that I can finally just say, and I would always tell my kids, if you're honest with me right off the bat, the punishment is going to be a whole lot less. I can promise you. But if you're going to tell me, no, no, I didn't do it, no, I didn't. And by the way, parents, we're pretty good. We already know before, you know. We already know. We, we've got it figured out. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't do that. Really? Okay. Um, so there's a danger in trying to keep up the image of the lie. So what does the Bible say about lying? It says it's wrong. It says it's a sin. It's something that should be, should be avoided at all costs. Uh, some lies in the Bible cause more and more dilemmas. In fact, if you will go back and you'll look, uh, some of the drawbacks from lying, just, just go back to Abraham for a minute. Go back to uh, Genesis. So Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife in Genesis 12. You remember that? And then not only does he lie to Pharaoh, later on in 26 he lies uh, or pardon me, 12, he lies to, lies to Pharaoh. And then in chapter 20, he lies to Abimelech. He lies twice. Now, it's kind of a half-truth because she was his half-sister. You know, that's a little strange, but that's... He says, she's my sister. He doesn't claim her as his wife. And so both Abimelech and Pharaoh suffer at the hands of God for taking Sarah into the harem, you know, basically. The taking them in with their other wives. And so terrible things come upon the nation and they also to Abraham himself. But you know what's funny is when you see Abraham's pattern of behavior, it's not a coincidence that his kids do the same thing. Isaac does the same thing. Isaac lies in Genesis chapter 26 saying that Rebekah is not his wife, she's a sister. Same, 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 same thing. He's using the same card. That his dad did. Where, where did he learn that? Where did he learn that? Okay, so let's get past Isaac for a second. What about Jacob? Oh, Jacob is the father of lies. Jacob's lied a couple of times early on. He's the one who deceives his brother from his birthright, chapter 27. Later on, whenever uh, Joseph is thrown into the pit, what do all his brothers do? Well, they lie, don't they? Because Jacob has lied, and so the, all the brothers lie, and they bring the animal skin and say, oh, look here, you know, he's dead. He's been torn apart. They actually don't say it like that. They just present it to him, and, and Isaac comes to the conclusion something terrible has happened. But nevertheless, all these terrible sins. Then you got Judah and Tamar in uh, uh, Genesis 38. Another sin as a result of a lie. And Tamar dresses up like a prostitute, and she courts her 
former father-in-law to have children. She has twins as a result of it, all from lies. Then you move on to chapter uh, 39. Potiphar's wife tries to pull Joseph in, remember? And she lies. She tells people that he's, he's, she's accusing him of rape, basically. And that didn't happen. But over and over through Genesis, we see this pattern of when there is a lie, somebody, hurt, somebody gets hurt. And sometimes it's the other people more than the person who tells the lie. So there's story after story in the Old Testament like that. The destruction that comes is not necessarily in life. Some people will lie their entire lives and they'll get away with it. They will deceive people into believing that they are something that they're not. It's the main reason why God hated the attitude of the Pharisees. He hated the hypocrisy of those who said that they were great and that they were wonderful and that they were religious and they were pious. But as Jesus says, you look pretty good on the outside, like a very clean tomb, like a good clean tombstone. But inside of that tomb is dead, rotting bones that inside of them, it was ugly. No matter what they did on the outside, they hadn't changed anything inwardly. And so their hypocrisy is why uh, Jesus is so harsh. And it comes back to this Revelation 21.8, that the people who lie spend eternity in hell. So that's, the, that's just pretty clear. God hates lying because liars go to hell. Revelation 21.8. So what are we going to do? We don't want that result, right? We, we definitely don't want to be lost. So what can we do to avoid that? Because the Bible gives us some pointers on how to avoid eternal damnation. One is we need to guard our words. Choose your words carefully. Sometimes we have a tendency to want to try to explain something away, especially when we are in trouble or we're feeling guilty, and we will try to talk it out, reason it out. I know kids are really bad at this. They will talk in circles to try to convince you. They'll try to, try to get you to think about something else, anything but that. You know, it's somebody else's fault. Somebody did this and this and this, and that's why I had to X, Y, Z. The pattern should begin with honesty. It's the best policy. Honesty is the only way to go, even if it hurts. And even if it's going to be something that's going to uh, take a while to work through, we start with being honest. So we guard our words. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Lord, help me to control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. Uh, another verse is, uh, in, again, in Exodus 20, lying Using the name of the Lord in vain, those commands are about watching your mouth. And so we have to be careful what we say. We're held accountable by what we say and what we do. So the Lord expects us to be on guard. He does that so that he commands us to be on guard because he doesn't want us to hurt other people. Second thing we need to do is we need to make sure that our words are helpful. Before we say something... We need to ask the question, is this going to help somebody? Uh, it's, it's almost as if sometimes we want to say it because we want to get it off of our mind. Or we say, in fact, people say, well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, some people give all of it. And so they have this tendency, we have this tendency to sometimes just want to tell people like it is. And I've heard people say before, well, I've lost my filter, you know. Pretty sure that pit is for those that don't have filters. Y'all with me? The pit is for the people who say, 
I'm not going to filter it anymore. So we have to be careful when we present information. There are things that simply shouldn't be talked about. There are some things that we deal with that we need to give to God. But whenever we're talking to our spouse, there has to be complete honesty. When we're talking to our God, he already knows. He already knows what we've done. He knows our thoughts before we even think them or as we're thinking them. And so our words should be helpful. What can build somebody else up? What can, what can I say to not harm someone? That's the reason why in, uh, in Galatians 6, we talked about last week, that Paul says go in a spirit of gentleness. You have to be careful when you go and confront someone or you go talk to somebody that you don't immediately just let your filter out. You, know, you, you need to be careful in the way that you present yourself. There are many, many, many times that we will have to bite our tongue. Sometimes you'll think you're, you're going to lose it. You're biting it so hard. But sometimes it can be the wrong time to say something. So be careful, be guarded on what you say, and be careful as to when you say it. Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to build up? Now, there are times that because of a conflict, you, you have to really put your foot down. But again, be careful what words you use. Number three, one thing we can do is be genuine in the way we talk to people. Uh, don't be fake. I, liars are fake. They're not real. Uh, just think about all the words that you would use to describe someone who is a liar. Go back to those definitions I gave earlier. We think about lying, we think about people who are deceptive. We think about people that are uh, not good friends, like in Job's case, that are, are not helping him by their words. Uh, we think about the word, or at least I do, the word destruction because our words can destroy and not build up. And that's what lying does. By not being honest, I'm, I'm not getting the truth out there. I'm, I'm, I'm hiding it, or I'm deceiving someone by not sharing all of it. So we need to be genuine in the way we talk to people. And number uh, D on here, our words should be positive. James gives a lot of really good advice about the tongue. You know, he talks about being careful in how we speak, slow to speak slow to wrath. We need to be careful that when we talk to people, it is prayed over first. What's prayed about, it's thought about, and it's carefully worded uh, when we talk about it. Um, we need to speak positive things that are true, not false. In Philippians chapter 4, and I didn't put that on here on, this, on, this, on D, but Philippians 4, 8, 9, Paul says here are some things to think about, and one of those is to think on things that are true. So, uh, if you are surrounded by liars, you will, you'll struggle with that because it'll be a pattern you've seen, you've walked in, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the brothers. And so we have to be positive and be around people that speak the truth. And yes, you need to speak the truth in love. If you speak things that are false, it can lead to someone's death, eternal death. There was a book I read one time, it said that uh, the book Mein Kampf, which is my struggle, it was Hitler's masterpiece, supposedly. Uh, terrible, uh, terrible um, viewpoint on life and on most of, just about everything. And they went through and they, they made a number, a list of all the words that are written in that book. Every word. And they determined for every single word that Hitler wrote in that book, a hundred and 25 people died for every word that was spoken. 
Every word in that book, 125 people died. Our words can harm. Our words can sever. Our words can destroy. Our words can uh, you know, hurt people in, in various ways. Our words are powerful. They move people. So we got to be careful what we say. Um, along this, this line with lying, there are some other things that go along with it. Gossiping. Fault-finding. Leading questions or leading responses. I'll lead you to the water, but I'm not going to let you drink. Get you just close enough that you have to come up with your own assumption. False impressions. Half-truths. Questionable motives. All of those are in the same family as lying. So if we're going to speak the truth, we speak the truth in love. We speak truth words that are true because they're needed. They're, they're meant to be in kind. They're meant to be shared in such a way that it builds up. And, and last, our words are eternal. They will last forever. I mean, our, the way we talk to people, the way that we approach people can impact them for all eternity. So our words are there's power in them. Our words bring life. So when we carry on into the next life, we want to bring good things. Uh, it would be terrible on Judgment Day if God said, you know, uh, you, you did this right, you did this right, you did this right. But man, that, that lying, you could not get control of it. Um, and we don't want that. We definitely don't want that to happen. So we have to get control of our mouth. Uh, Jesus explained that obedience to his commandment was required to eternal life. Absolute obedience in this area and all others. It's Again, this is personal because we, we've all struggled with it, but it has to be dealt with, spiritually speaking. Uh, when there is a lie that's spoken, a harmful word, whether it's gossiping, fault-finding, any of those other things I mentioned, there needs to be repentance. Uh, if someone has, has done those things towards someone else and it is known publicly, there needs to be public repentance. Uh, there are a few places, and we, we dealt with this a few weeks ago, we did conflict resolution, but there are some places in the New Testament that says if there are people that do these things, then there is a harsh punishment that is a res result of it. Um, much like the man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that was withdrawn from for being sexually immoral. Um, in Timothy's writing, or at least Paul's writings to Timothy, he, he emphasizes a couple times that people who teach or do false things need to be dealt with publicly. And so a good thing to remember is, and this is, this is important, my, I don't remember where I heard this in school, but they say when you point your finger, right, there's three more pointing back at you, I guess thumb doesn't count, but when you point, there's three more pointing back at you, so be careful with what judgment or harshness or false, false things that you say, because they will come back to you, and if you want to treat people that way, Jesus is Matthew 7, 12. That's what they're going to do to you. So you treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, uh, when we think about, and I know we're running out of time, we need to get to some questions, but when we think about lying, again, I want you to think about people who've hurt you. I want you to think about people who have said things about you. Think about the pain that it's caused you, the... Um, Rumor mill, again, going back to gossiping in the rumor mill, there's a story, I use this story frequently. It was told of a, a man uh, many years ago. He was a, a minister to church. He took a three-week uh, trip away for some speaking engagements, and the younger minister took his place in the pulpit and the classrooms and so forth while he was away. While he was away, 
uh, he found out that there was a, a lady that was coming to see him frequently for counseling. And he assumed, this younger minister assumed, and by the gossip of a couple other people in the church, that the minister was having an affair with this woman. So he told the board uh, that he was on good, good finding that the minister needed to be terminated immediately because he had been having an affair. Well, they made the decision. He was fired. Remember the, the, the older minister, he's gone. He's not even there. He doesn't know anything about this. So he returns home to being replaced by his younger um, you know, pre- predecessor, his younger, younger minister associate. And he finds out the reason that he's been terminated is because of this story about some woman who had come for counseling and whether or not she had a questionable behavior was, you know, that remains to be seen. But he was able to prove that it was a falsity. It was, it was completely false. There was, no, there was no issue going on at all. Well, he sits down and explains his case. He talks to the young minister, and he feels terrible. And he realizes he's done wrong. And he tells the older minister, he says, i got to make this right. I have, I've hurt you. I've hurt your reputation. And really, ministers, servants in the church, elders, deacons, all we have is our reputation. And when people come and attack your integrity and your reputation, it's, it's nearly impossible to build it back. So be careful of the destruction that comes. But anyways, he tells the older ministries, how can I fix this? And he says, I'll tell you exactly how you can do it. So he, says, he takes him up to the top of the bell tower at the church. And he takes with him a feather pillow. And he busts open the feather pillow and lets the feathers spread all over in the wind. And he says, go pick up every feather. It's impossible. It's impossible to pick up every feather. So the damage that is done by lying or gossiping or spreading rumors spreads so far and so vast and so wide that the ramifications are such that we ought to be punished for telling the lie. We ought to be. If we have, and we say, well, I'm sorry, I asked for forgiveness. That's my fault, my bad. I, I, you know, I didn't want to. We should be held accountable for all of those feathers that have spread around. So think about people who've done things to you, said things about you. Um, maybe nobody's had that problem before. That would be awesome. But I would, I would guarantee that most of us probably have. We've had people say things, and they were completely false. I've had people tell me things before, and I almost want, I, I use this frequently. I say, well, I, I want to get a bucket of popcorn. Tell me more. What did I do next? Really? Okay. Woo, I did that. Didn't know that. What else did I do? Um, because people will say something, and then it grows legs, you know, and then it's over here, and it's over there, and the rumor mill gets started, and, and all of that pain that's caused, all of the things that happen as a result of the scattering of those feathers can never be fully fixed. So that's why it's important that we guard our words and our actions. And to represent Jesus, we do things in honesty and integrity. That's the goal of being like Christ. Uh, all right, so we've got about 10 minutes, and I'm going to open it up for some questions. Casey, would you mind being our microphone guy tonight? Um, let's talk about, first of all, and then if you've got anything, you're welcome to raise your hand. Why is it so hard to break ourselves of telling a lie? Why is it so hard for some to keep from telling lies? Is it easy to tell a lie? 
It might be if it's going to hurt somebody. But why do people just lie? They choose to. Why? We got an idea? Yeah? Okay, so it might be a defense mechanism. It might be that it's putting up a wall. They don't want to get hurt. What else? Yeah, up here. Necessarily think they're telling a lie. They like to inflate what they're saying to right. make it sound better, to make themselves feel better. Yes, they do. And, and uh, so it's a, it's a matter of selfishness to make somebody else look bad. Um, I've done some interpersonal communication classes, and it's not as bad with men, believe it or not. But with ladies, uh, sometimes they may have someone in their circle that they keep in their circle specifically because of the way they talk and what they talk about. Like, for instance, if, they, if you have somebody in your circle that seems to be a little dramatic, you, know, you usually have one person in that circle. So you can kind of feel like, well, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right? So I can look at it and say, you know, I may do this, but they do it worse. And um, so we need to surround ourselves with people that are honest. And again, like I said, it could be, it could be a defense mechanism. It could be that uh, we're trying to make ourselves look better than someone else. That's usually the case. It's kind of selfishness. What else? Why do you think people tell lies so easily? Do you think people actually intend, when you've told lies before, did you intend to hurt somebody? Was that the intention? When you tell something that's untrue, is your intention to hurt? Not always. Sometimes it's just you don't want to tell the truth. So you invent, you concoct, you falsify a statement so that you don't have to deal with it immediately. Our reaction usually is flight. If there is a conflict that, especially when we're in the fault, you know, uh, sometimes whenever we do things, we will immediately try to change the subject. You know, I teasingly do that sometimes with Misty. If, if, I, if I've forgotten something or I've left something on or made a mess, I'll be like, uh, hey, did you hear about such and such? You know, I'll just kind of change the subject real quick, real fast. Um, because we do, we hate to go, oh man, I, was, I made a mistake. We've gotten to a place now where we can call each other out on it and it's fine. I always say, well, Okay, yeah, that happened. Yeah, Misty. Oh, okay, Crystal first, okay. I think, I'm sorry, um, people lie to cover up mistakes. Yeah. Just like sometimes we lie to ourselves to say we didn't sin when we do sin. Yeah. And then we have to admit that, you know, sometimes in life, you know, we just do things unintentional and sometimes they're intentional. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I grew up in a family that... <laughs> Likes to stretch stories. Right. So I, uh, including like my mom would call, <laughs> like a bill collector would call her and she goes, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. That's right. a lie. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, but you know, they were going through hard times and to be harassed by um, what's better to tell them you have the wrong number or for, for them at the moment, right. dealing with harassment from them. Yeah. So um, it's to alleviate pressure. Mm-hmm. alleviate pain mm-hmm. and to fix mistakes when sometimes it just makes it worse. Yeah. So. It's a reaction. I, I, want, I don't want to deal with this right now. I want to cover it up. I'll deal with it later. Uh, the problem is I always hear people say, well, you just kind of brush it under the rug. Well, that works until you're walking over a mountain, you know, and you're like, oh, that rug's way up here now because you brushed everything underneath there. 
maybe even people underneath the rug. Yeah, go ahead. So mine was kind of similar. What I was going to say was kind of similar to Crystal, but um, sometimes you are actively, like you have something else going on. You're cheating or you're stealing or you're doing something really wrong and you have to lie to advance your other motivations mm -hmm. and other things that you may be doing other cr crimes or right. sins or whatever. Um. Satan is the father of all lies. Crystal's next. Satan is the father of all lies. If we lie, if we practice lying, we're using the ammunition of the devil. We're using his, he's called the father of lies. It's like a nuclear bomb. And Satan uses it every single day. It's a very common tactic. So if we do it, we look like we're children of the devil. Yeah, go ahead. Sometimes I think that uh, we can lie. Thinking we're making things better, we might be asked a direct question. Right. And to tell the truth may hurt some feelings, may stir the pot. So we're like, I'll say this instead. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, kind of like what Misty said, to keep up with that, you're like, oh. you kind of wish people wouldn't ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I'm going to give you a thought that maybe this will help you. If you can think of it as spur of the moment, if somebody asks you something and you really don't want to talk about it, you can't, you, you can't fathom telling them the truth in that moment. Say this. I'm at a place right now where I can't talk about that just yet. But I do want to talk to you about that. And we could talk about it soon, but I'm not at a place right now where I could talk about it in this moment. But, but we'll get back to it. I promise we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to it at another time. But I just, I don't feel like I can have this conversation right now. Uh, it's nothing about you. It's just personally, I just don't feel comfortable talking about it. And then that way you don't have to tell a lie or you don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, looking like foolish. You just say, hey, look, I'm just not a place I can talk about this. Let's, let me pray on it and we'll talk about it. Because there are some things I do want to talk to you about. And, and so you come back to the argument or the discussion a little more wiser from prayer and Bible study before you deal with, tackle that particular issue. And there's nothing wrong, even if it's spur of the moment, something comes up, you can say, I'd just rather not talk about that. There's, it's not going to make it any worse if you just say, we just, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm just not at a place that I can discuss this right now. And that way you don't have to tell the lie. You can, you can don't spend hours coming and concocting a, a lie, but think about how you can tell the truth in a positive way. And I do believe that we would do well as Christians to read more, study more about being better communicators, being careful how we talk about certain things, and being honest uh, you can be brutally honest. You can be harsh. That's not, what it, that's not what I mean. But just kindly saying how you feel. The problem is we all are so careful of other people's feelings that we don't want to hurt other. If you're a good faithful follower of Jesus, you don't want to hurt some people. And so you don't really want to say it. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this too. If, if you ever see me eating and I've, I'm dribbling on my shirt, okay, or I got, a, I got something on the side of my face, right, or my shoes untied, or my coat's flipped up, come tell me. I'm a big boy. I can handle it, okay? I, I, I love it when people say, hey, look, you know, you need to, that helps me, you know? Don't, don't intentionally not tell something to someone because you don't want to be awkward, 
it's okay to say, hey, hey, I, got, I need to talk to you about something. And, and be honest, but be loving in the way you do it. Who's next? Rick? I think Billy's got his hand up. You did? You did. My kids used to get on to me when they were small, when there was a new baby born. And if it was a beautiful child, I'd always say, what a beautiful child. But you got to tell the truth, you know. <laughs> and sometimes there's one born. Yeah. That's just not really good looking. Yeah. So I would say, what a baby, what a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or we could, we could say Ray, that beautiful soul. <laughs> Ray and Matthew 15. Uh, I'd encourage everybody to turn over. I know his time is limited. No, you're fine. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, we find out where a line comes from. Mm. And it comes, it's going to start up in verse uh, uh, verse 17. That's a good place, I guess. You could go back to verse 1, actually. Do, do you not yet understand that whatever enters at the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the drought? That's common mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. For the out of the heart, the heart, mm -hmm. proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, are lying, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But then they thought washing, eating with unwashing hands was defiling. That's what Jesus mm -hmm. said. This is a heart issue. Yeah, absolutely. It's a matter of your heart. Having your heart right and giving your heart to the Lord and uh, uh I've had people that lied to me at the door. Mm -hmm. I knew I preached the worst sermon I ever preached in my life. That's <laughs> the best sermon I ever heard, brother. Yeah. Lambert, I think they're just trying to make me feel good, you know. Yeah. I'd love to see, a, a, you know, some of these. You go to Lowe's or Love's bathroom uh, stop. They have a little thing on the wall that says, click on how clean, one to five, you think this is. I thought about on the way out, one to five, how good was the sermon. But, uh, but might have some hurt feelings. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.